The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode entitled I Spy for the EEOC originally aired July 25th, 2006, and this was the original episode description, quote, Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discuss the legalities of buying a company directory, give props to LinkedIn, and discuss the work of testers, phony job applicants on the hunt for discriminatory practices. Bad companies beware. And did you know that resume writers have to be bonded? End quote. This flashback episode begins after this word from our sponsor. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we out. out. Employer brand professionals know that doing great work involves doing big, high-level strategic thinking and getting your hands dirty. If that sounds like the kind of work you want to do, come listen to the Talent Cast. It's the world's most highly caffeinated employer brand podcast. Launching an innovation in HR tech is no small feat. With all of the noise and countless vendors in the market, sometimes the most promising innovations don't get the chance they deserve to impact HR. And while early and growth stage founders are highly innovative, most aren't experts at scaling revenue to drive growth and support their vision, which can mean the end of the road for many startups. That's where Pure ACV comes in. We've had the great fortune of working with some of the most innovative brands in HR tech for over three decades to build compelling messaging and solid, scalable teams that drive growth, giving these innovations a chance to impact how HR is done. To learn more, visit us at pureacv.com. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry, and it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Whenever I'm on the phone with my good friend Karen Madden, I always wish I had a uh, tape recorder going because we get into so many uh, interesting topics, especially when it comes to recruiting and especially when it comes to ethics in recruiting. Well, I decided to do just that and record a couple of phone conversations I had with Karen and post them in this segment that I'm calling He Said, She Said. So uh, if you would, check it out. Let me know what you think and hear from you soon. You're in the Recruiter's Lounge with Jim Stroud and Karen Madden with another fun-filled, exciting episode of He Said, She Said. How are you, Karen? Hello, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on my call on my, in my lounge today. I enjoy talking to you. Okay. You make it fun. Okay. You stir up my passion. <laughs> Entice my emotions. The guy I am, baby. All right. There you go. Question for you. Question for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, um, someone emailed you uh, a question. I think mm-hmm. it was after listening to one of our one of our rants on here, and they said, uh, Karen. Um, I bought a company directory that has the names and 
finding information for um, everyone in company X. I not even mention the company. And they said, is it ethical? And then 20 minutes later, you took a breath. <laughs> so uh, let me pose a question to you as if I'm that guy. Let's, let's do a little role playing here. Karen, uh, I bought this company directory from this company, and it has everybody in it that I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I want to contact. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid X amount of dollars for it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call these people up and say, hey, um, I got something better for you on this side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, am I breaking the law? Well, you know what's interesting? About, say, two years, three years ago, I was talking to someone about ethics and recruiting, very well-known person in this industry, okay? Okay. And they said, so you try to be ethical all the time? So I said, always. And they said, hmm, do you own a company directory? And I said, oh, well, yeah. Yes, I submitted to that. I did. They said, really? And they said, well, do me a favor. Go get it. Open it up. Look at the first page. Tell me what it says. Yikes. What did it say for the benefit privacy of our Privacy disclaimer our on there. Major huge privacy disclaimer. Belongs to the property of the company only. Cannot be distributed, redistributed, copied, sold, or whatever. Only for the people and employees of the company. Ooh, copyright law. Okay, own a prop, uh, property property laws. I mean, I can see all these kind of things. And he goes, see, Karen, not everything you know. I'm like, no, dumb. No, I don't know everything, obviously, but. Obviously, I got rid of that directory because I like to practice what I preach. So, so what did this person get this directory from? He probably got it from somebody who worked at that company and they had it in a nice little book or something. Hey, okay. I followed the directions. I mean, I've done all this recruiting trainer and listened to trainers, and I've you know followed all these directions. I always heard of good recruiting tactics. Mm-hmm. It was great recruiting training tactics. Always ask every employee that's leaving the company that you've placed in a new position for a company directory, right? Well, I got one great one, and I thought I was so, oh, I thought I was a great recruiter. I thought I was the cat's meow. I was like, wow, I'm good. I got a company directory. Guess what? It's illegal. I mean, has it always been illegal? Because I know recruiters, I mean, I've been recruiting since uh, 97, and I know recruiters, even before the Internet took off, so to speak, mm-hmm. for recruiting. I mean, and I know the guys were just getting the back, and, and this was when people were happy that they had a fax machine, mm-hmm. you know. And they said, I got my fax machine, and I got these company directories, and, I, you know, uh, I'm good to go. Absolutely. So, I mean, that was like the status quo for a long time, and I know some, some old school recruiters still do that. So get company directories from um, – from particular companies they want to recruit out of. I mean, you're saying that's just a major no-no? Is it a major no-no only because it has a disclaimer on it? Well, it's not just because of a disclaimer. I mean, it depends. I mean, it's their property, okay? And it right. depends on if they're trying to maintain that that property as being private or a property as being personal and that of the company only. I mean, if they've got a disclaimer and it says company restricted, well, then, yeah, but if the company says, hey, I don't care, and it's out there in the world for people to see, and it's on the Internet, and there's no membership to go obtain it or anything like that, well, it's their bad, not well, yours. Well, let me, be, let, me sort of, let me make sure, let me clear it up for some people who are probably scratching their heads and, and wondering a few things. Now, what I'm talking about is that it's, it's an actual physical book from mm-hmm. someone who worked in a company, mm-hmm. and it was more or less a yellow pages for the particular company. Okay, okay. No, I'm yeah. going to give you an example of what one says, and I'm looking at my husband's company directory, okay? Okay. It says, XYZ company restricted. 
This directory is a property of XYZ. It is published and distributed only for XYZ internal use. This information may not be transmitted, modified, copied, reproduced, republished, uploaded, posted, transmitted, or redistributed without the permission of XYZ. So, in a nutshell, this directory is protected by copyright, trademark, and other intellectual property laws. Okay. Pretty uh, matter of fact. And, and again, you can, I mean, yeah, it's right there. Okay. okay. All right. Where, all right. Now, let's use. Okay, right. Now, this is another one. That well, hold on, hold on. Hold on before you get into that point. Okay. Now, this, again, it's just for clarity's sake. This is you're talking about a, a physical book that someone got from a, uh, an yeah. employee there, or they may have dumped, jumped inside of a dumpster okay, behind the building. Okay, let's stop for a second. Let's stop for a <laughs> second. That. Let's stop for a second. Everybody who's listening to this, let's go pick up the next company directory that you have, even your own company directory. Either look at the back cover, look at the front cover, open up the pages on the back or the front, and you'll see it right there. Okay. All right, all right. Okay, it's on there. It's not that I made this up. I didn't create this law. I didn't say, hey, this is what we're going to do. I never noticed it before. I never even paid attention to it before. I never even thought about it before. Hey, I was one of those bad girls who had obtained a company directory. And guess what I did, too? I helped by asking that person to give that to me, and I didn't think about this either. I helped that person break their contract. Because they're giving confidential company information to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. They had a contract that said they were not supposed to disclose company confidential company information. I helped them break it. Now, if I sell it, so first off, I receive stolen property. And if I sell it, I'm selling stolen property. Hmm. All right, let me ask you this then. Let's, okay, let's get away from an actual physical book from uh, a company that's restricted just for uh, employees inside the company. Mm-hmm. All right, now what if... I do some razzle-dazzle online, and I find um, someone's email address. Um, it says John Doe at companyx.com, and I see it on a blog or something, or I see it on a, on a, in a forum or something like that. And I, from that, I know that that person works at Company X, and he is an engineer or a marketing person or sanitation worker or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. So I see his sanitation worker. I'll just write his name over here. Mm-hmm. And then I do some more search. I find somebody else mm-hmm. who's doing another department, and I just say, okay, I'll write the name right there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, let's say I call into a company and say, hey, I'm looking for um, people who make widgets, you know, for a market survey or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, who who are the people who make widgets in your department? And they tell me. So I make a list from that. So I've made a list of my on my own mm-hmm. uh, from primary research, uh, as we call it, is mm-hmm. calling into a company and getting information that way. Mm-hmm. And also from the Internet, or maybe I saw the name in a newspaper or a magazine or mm-hmm. something like that. So I've built this list myself. Like Zoom Info. That's Zoom Info. Like Zoom Info. That's true. They do do a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff. So if I get information from Zoom Info, just, to, just, just from that, or not even Zoom Info, if I just build it on my own without any uh, tool or anything like that, is that breaking the law? No. Okay. You've got the information free and clear. They've got it out there on the net. Now let's go with a twist here. Okay. Let's say you compile this list from being a member of an association. Let's use LinkedIn because they just really hate when people do this to their – you get, oh, they really don't. I love LinkedIn. Don't say anything bad I about LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn, and I'm saying good. I love you guys. I'm Roll! good about LinkedIn, not love about LinkedIn. I'm following up because I love LinkedIn's privacy rules and mm-hmm. regulations. They understand respecting of people's privacy. 
you are not allowed to, as you're a member of LinkedIn, you're not allowed to go on there and just going ahead and having tons and tons of people in your network, okay, right. if you don't know them. You can't go ahead and spam people. You can't go ahead and mass abuse that membership. You can't go ahead and download all these members on LinkedIn and then sell them. You can't. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, guess uh-huh. what? Go to LinkedIn's privacy disclaimer on there. They have a copyright situation on there. Okay, well, disclaimer on there, when I said situation. They have a copyright disclaimer on there. They have a privacy disclaimer. They have an ownership disclaimer. This is their property. And you know what really bugs me more than anything? It takes a lot of money to go ahead and have LinkedIn be able to offer this valuable free service to us. Okay? And they did a lot to go ahead and make sure that we are their members. Feel comfortable to put our information on there. They want to make sure that they know that when we go put our stuff out there, we they don't we don't feel that we're gonna get harassed by every recruiter who feels it's their right because they found it on the internet to go ahead and just copy it, take it, download it, sell it or just mass email you. Well, to their credit, another reason to love LinkedIn. I know, really I know a lot of recruiters hang out there uh, in their social networking to meet people because it is a great place to sort of network and yes, meet potential candidates. But I know, you as you use said, the right cooperative keyword, network. Networking doesn't mean spamming, selling, or abusing people's privacy information, private information. It doesn't. It doesn't mean just going ahead and harvesting. And by the way, every website in the United States has to have a privacy disclaimer based upon California's privacy laws. It's called the OPPA Act, O-P-P-A. Every website has to have it. If you are collecting information and any information will be of a California resident, it will apply to you even if you're in Pennsylvania. Okay? Okay. Wherever you are, even if it's not in California, but you're collecting California residents' information and a name, a telephone number, or an email address, or anything like that, you have a website that's getting that information. I send you a resume. They just got a little profile. They just sent you an email. That means you have to have that privacy act on there. So guess what? This applies to every website. So now, can I just say something? Please. I also got another email <laughs> where this person said, hey, I went on to this Internet, and I was able to download their whole directory, and I sold it. And is there anything ethical or unethical with that? And I, I'm i not too tickled with this because there are a couple of people said, oh, if you found it on the Internet, it's free reign. No, it's not. First off, if the website says on there you have to have a membership to obtain any information of members, you have to abide by their rules. But what if they don't have the disclaimer? What if, what if they, the person who found it found it behind a firewall or something like that? Well, then and, they don't, and they don't know it's behind a firewall. They just found it on the Internet. You know it's behind a firwall. Well, I may, I may, oh, yes, I may or maybe, I may or may not know even how to get around things like that. But yellow pages, Ethan has a disclaimer that says it cannot be used for marketing. Not if it's not if it's behind a firewall and it's on a company intranet. Well, even if, well, if because it's because they, they will assume that if you're seeing this, you're inside the company. They may not assume that someone has has. Then look at the bottom of the page. 
if you want to know and you're not sure and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, did I get this legally? Look at the bottom of the page and you'll see a little link that says privacy. But every, comp- but every company does not put that there. Every company has. And let's go back to the OPA laws, California law. Yeah, but you know, as to pull back to what you're saying, though, that, that, would, that, would, that would depend on them putting that language on the site. And they companies have to. Do, companies don't always they do that. They have to. They don't always California do that. California law states. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back up, back up, because you're getting too, too far away from me now. Okay. I have, just say, I'm not saying I've done this in my present position, but in times past, I may have done some Internet wizardry and come across some information um, from certain domains okay. that does not, and I see this information there, okay. and at the bottom it does not say, you know, this is private, uh, you cannot use this information for your sourcing endeavors or your recruiting endeavors or anything like mm-hmm. that. So years ago when I did this, mm-hmm. would, would I have been in trouble? Well, probably not as much. I mean, it's like it depends on your state laws and everything else. You see, California state law, it it applies directly to any organization, no matter what state you're in, that collects information, identifiable information from consumers in California, such as even an email address. It went into effect on July 1st of 2004, whether you live in the state of California or not. Ooh, so it was after I did it. Okay, I feel better. Okay. So <laughs> now it did, the new law does provide a 30-day grace period if your organization gets a, notify, a notification that your website is not in compliance with the law. But the fact is the website might not be in compliance with the law, but the law is still there. And also, most companies, and I really see really where a company is going to have a website that's collecting identifiable information, even, for example, I will give a great one. We've got yellow pages that are available on the Internet, okay? Yeah. There's things called Argali, and there's Verizon yellow pages. Even in Verizon's yellow pages, they have a privacy clause that states, you cannot use this information to market, transmit, to sell to, whatever. You just have to basically use it for your personal use at that one time, okay, for each time. You know, you say I'm making a call to go find out um, where the nearest plumber is or whatever. You can't just download it and sell that stuff either. Again, Verizon takes a lot of money and a lot of time to go ahead and compile that list. Of course, they're not going to want you to go ahead and just do whatever you please or make money off of it. Let me switch gears on you right now. Mm-hmm. This this is this is what we call a, a very bad transition because that something else <laughs> came to Karen's temper tantrum. <laughs> That's what we could call it. Okay. All right, let me switch subject on you here. Okay. Now, um, I know this person. I, I've heard of this, and, and and see if you can validate and see how true this is because I've been hearing this from more than one source, and I was intrigued when I heard about it, and. Um, Actually, you know what? I think I want to find someone and talk to them about it on on the show here. But okay. anyway, this is what I'm talking about. This say Company X is um, hiring for I don't know software engineer. Now um, candidate number one comes in, interviews and says, you know, um, this is my skill set. I know I'm a good person for this job. Uh, what do you say? And the company says, you know, I don't know. We really don't have. I really don't think you're the right fit for this, or to say we're still hiring other people, looking at other people. So let me just get back to you later. Mm-hmm. And guess it's okay. And then later on that same day, someone with uh, pretty much a clone of the a carbon copy of the first person's resume comes in, and they say, "Hi, you know, I really want this job. I'm wonderful. I'm great. You know, and I really want to take this job." And they say immediately, "You're hired." And when you t- listen to them talking in the back room, you hear the guy say. 
you hear the hiring manager say, yes, these two candidates were equally um, competent for the job, but I chose the second kind con- I chose the second candidate basically because she was just hot, and I didn't really like how the other guy looked. <laughs> Plus, he was foreign, and I don't want any foreigners working uh, over here anyway. And this is, uh, this is something the hiring manager said in the back room. Uh-huh. And again, for those listening, this is a fictitious <laughs> situation. Ooh. So the guy in the back says this. So when that comes out, the person who did not get the job, there in turn sues the company mm-hmm. for discrimination practices. Mm-hmm. And basically, it turns out that this other guy, who sued, the, who is suing the company, actually works for the EEOC, and he's like a secret agent. He goes into companies trying to get jobs, um, but trying not to get jobs. Tester. He's, he's a tester. So it's true. It's not an urban legend. No, it's not. But actually, they don't work for the EOC anymore. Uh. Um, the EOC's grants were generally pulled from this. So what happens, you'll find independent private companies. Mm-hmm. They do this, and they do it for research value as well. Uh, and then they turn the reports into the EOC, and, yes, the EOC can go after and sue. And, yes, they do this quite frequently. At least once a year, you'll find some states are getting their own. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, so there are companies, independent companies, uh-huh. who, who go out to these corporations uh-huh. with the intent purpose of not getting hired uh-huh. so they can file a discrimination suit against that company. Uh-huh. Send it over to the EOC. They get sued. They get a bunch of money. Uh, they don't do it for the money. They don't do it for the money. No, they're not doing it for the money. Do they're they, do they get paid Most for doing this, though? Profit, okay? But they do get some kind of monetary compensation for no, it, right? No, no, they don't generally do it for the money, okay? But there is some money that changes hands. Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes they don't have anything to do with They'll just do the report. They'll just go ahead and say, hey, um, they're doing a civil duty to America, basically, as they put it, and mm-hmm. they turn the reports in. Or maybe what they're doing is they're doing reports and then they're sending them out to the public or their federal. I mean, they're not actually, they're not usually government um, or federal owned companies. These are nonprofit companies, mm-hmm. and that's what they're originated for. They depend on the support of their members or the, the community or whatever. They're trying to find out what's happening in the community in regards to discrimination, for example. Oh wow! I guess I had a more romantic spin on it because no, I was no, thinking no, that no, when no, I heard when I heard about this, I was thinking like, man, what a, what an extortion scam this is. No, no, they're not doing it for the money. Most of the time, when they turn in the report, they they back away completely. They have. They don't have anything to do with the. They've turned in the investigation. This is what we've done. This is what we did. This is how we did it. Yes, we'll go ahead and stand up in court and say, take the oath that yes, what we said and we did was honorable, you know, respectable and truthful, and we'll kind of represent you guys in EOC. But no, they're not doing it for the money. Testers, for example. I could hear something wrong within a company. Let's say XYZ company, I found out that they discriminated against an individual. Now, I'm not going to do this, never done this, and it is a civil duty that we should turn in people, but to me, I think that's kind of tacky, okay? Mm. But but does it happen? Well, of course. Because I'm thinking, when I heard about this analogy validated for me, I'm thinking, like, this would be a good way to sort of take down a company. I'm sure there's people who do it make a. I mean, because I, I I won't say I won't name a name or a company or anything like that. But I mean, I, I've I've heard that some like if some unscrupulous company wants to make it a problem for a company, uh-huh. they will send these people in 
just to find something to get them into court and cost them money. That does sound romantic. I've never heard of that, but I'm sure it's possible. It could happen. We might just give some people some ideas, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that. That never happens. You know, this is the reason, though, you got to be careful when you're you're hiring as a recruiter, when you're going through this, because when you're doing the – background checks, when you're doing all this kind of stuff with candidates, you mm-hmm. got to be careful because you never know if you're talking to a tester if the person on the phone is real or not. Now, I mean, I'm sure there's also unscrupulous candidates who are out there saying, let's make some money out of companies. I don't feel like working, and I'm going to go ahead and just randomly start thinking about trying to be a tester and sue people. I'm sure there might be, okay? Have you ever experienced anything like that before? I've, I've had a tester. Well, I don't know if it's a tester. I've had a situation where I had the EOC contact me because I had a guy try to sue me for discrimination, and I really was helping him. And the EOC more detail, more detail. Okay, I had a guy who got this guy whose resume went back to like the 1930s. I'm serious. The 30s. Yeah, he was typewritten. Okay. It was very interesting, and this guy contacts me he had been a area manager sales manager mm-hmm. and he wanted to be a, a technician he even admits he's got back problems and physical problems when he's talking to me okay okay and um, so i helped him you know to, i advised him how to get his resume cut down to take his job i mean just job history go back 20 years because they went back from the time he was 16 okay yeah and i mean he said physically he had problems, and I'm like, can you lift 50 pounds or more? And he admitted no. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be a problem. But I still submitted him to two places. I advised him about to do in interviews, and then I also told him some companies that I knew of were hiring that were not clients. I get a call a couple of days later, or a couple of weeks later, and this guy, I had to get caller ID because this, this guy was harassing me. He literally was harassing me, calling me three, four, five times a day. So... EOC calls me up, and they say, you know, we definitely want to come in into your office, and we're going to look at your records. I said, oh, immediately, I know what this is about. They said, oh, you do? And I said, yeah, this is about John Doe. And they said, well, how do you know? And I said, well, and I told them the scenario. Then I said, look, I've got proof how I helped this individual. She said, you do. So then I heard, stop the car, and she said, young lady, I'm going back to the office. That information better be there when I get back. So I emailed and faxed everything that I had done for this son of a gun. Mm. I was not very happy, and I was very scared. Okay, At least I had kept every record and data with this guy, everything. I mean, emails I sent him, emails I didn't, I mean, everything I kept. I sent everything to these guys. They called me back. We went. I talked to them for about 45 minutes, never heard from them again. It was dropped. He then turned around and decided, well, he's going to go civil. That's when I decided to press a counteraction on him, slander, libel, the works. Mm-hmm. His lawyer contacted me. I told him what I was planning to do, never, and I said, hey, you know, the EOC dropped this. And his lawyer never pursued it, and he pursued, never pursued it since then. That was about... Gosh, I was recruiting probably on my own for about two months, three months when that happened. Scary, yes. Okay, and it was age discrimination he was going after. Um, it was that easy. And I wonder, you know, did he just not want to work anymore? And I, he thought I was his likely target? I don't know. Or did he really think I was discriminating even though I had submitted his resume out? I helped him rewrite his resume. 
I mean, I showed the EOC the original resume, and I showed them the one that I helped him redo. I didn't write it personally. I told him and suggested what he needed to do. Never write a person's resume for them, okay? Really don't. Not a good idea. What happens if you write someone's resume? Because I know some other recruiters, more junior rather, who really want to get this hired. Depends on law, too, again, but there can be conflicts because resumes are copyrighted. Yeah. And they're property of the person that belongs there. Yeah. And I suppose, like, say, for example, you helped write a person's resume. The person doesn't get a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he thinks now it's because it's your actions that didn't get his job. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay. That is, I mean, it's not very smart. It really isn't. But then again, too, it's the property of this person. And if he's lying on his resume, you're helping him lie. Mm. If he tells you that he he uh, he was walking on water and you write that down on there, you're helping him lie. If you ever notice, in most states, resume writers have to be bonded. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know they had to be bonded because I I mean, yeah, and you have to be licensed. Do you know accepting a fee from a candidate? You also have to be bonded in most states. Now, why do you have to be bonded? Resume writers tend to be sued a lot. Yeah, not just um, being sued, but it's protection. You have to be licensed and bonded. It's protection to the candidate. Protection to the candidate, not from the resume writers being sued by the candidate. Because my thinking is that, okay, I hire someone to write my resume. I didn't get the job. I get all mad and huffy, so now I'm going to sue the resume writer because I didn't get a job because I'm only using the resume that they made for me that I paid so much money for. Exactly. You you mismade the point. The reason the states protect candidates is because they are paying money. When they're looking for a job, they have – you remember, when a person looks for a job, it's tax deductible, all their expenses, right? Yeah. Well, this is a tax deductible expense, too, by the way. And so it's protection of that person not to be able, let's say you say you're a resume writer, and you just do this 10-word resume and say, okay, you got to give me my 250 bucks, right? You know? I mean, they're saying, hey, we are protecting the the candidate, because some candidates won't sue. They make a complaint, and that's it, okay? So licensing, so the states, many states, have created bonding and created... um, Licensing for anything that's going to charge the candidate a fee. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, all of those outsourcing companies are supposed to be bonded as well in most states. Well, the, um, hmm, okay. Because if it's a charge to the candidate, especially when they don't have money because they're unemployed, they're protecting them. Reasonable to think about. I don't know all the details. I just know the re- I just know the what the facts are. Okay, this is the fact that you have to be bonded. I don't know all the details because I'm not one of them, so I never had to really worry about it. You know. So have you ever played one on TV? Never played one on TV either. Exactly. And I, you know, so I mean, I just and that's one of the reasons I I kind of like know. Hey, I can't do this. I don't always try to figure out the why. Okay. okay, I just I just know, hey, if I were to sit down and figure out all the whys, then I wouldn't want to know that, like, I can't do something. It would, get too, it would be too overwhelming, okay? So details are not really important to me as much as I just know, hey, just don't do it. Well, we're running low on the time there. Um, any shout-outs you want to give to anyone? Well, just remember, recruiting really isn't difficult. And <laughs> it really isn't. And even though just remember I, all these laws we keep spouting out there. Well, that's just it. I mean, these things are in place, okay? But they were in place before. And guess what? The internet wasn't always around, and certain things weren't always around. And people used to be able to recruit before without, you know, just normal pick up the phone. Hey, can you help me out? Who do you know? Networking, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Well, well, 
that's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't have to change too much. We can use new tools. We can use all these great ideas. But then we have to remember we have to stay within this kind of like the laws because we don't want to get regulated, but then we also don't want to get busted, and you don't want to have to pay a million dollars in lawsuits, right? I mean, who wants to be sued? It's nasty. One thing I would like is mm. that people are being sued is that they'd come forward and tell people about their their situation. They say, was, hi, I'm a recruiter, and I was sued. Yeah, I was sued. This is what happened. You know, and there is some truth in what some of the things are being said. Instead of people going, oh, I'm just never going to get sued. I'm just nobody. Look, one in 400, okay, one in 400 lawsuits a day. What am I saying? In recruiting? 400 lawsuits a day. In recruiting? In employment. 400 employment, oh, employment. lawsuits a day. In recruiting, the, the in 2001, I heard one in 1,000. One in 1,000 lawsuits regarding in employment has been, hold on, one in 1,000 lawsuits uh, in the employment arena have been about recruiting. One in 400 was in employment and one in 1,000 searches. One in 1,000 searches, okay, were um, recruiting lawsuits. Really? Yeah, one in 1,000 searches, not recruiting. I mean, I had to rephrase that, okay? So I'm trying to get the details here in my head, okay? One in 1,000 searches had, had um, gone into a lawsuit, and 400 employment lawsuits a day as of this year or last year, okay? Now, that was in 2001. Since 2001, lawsuits have gone up tremendously. I think it was like 80% we've gone up into since Yeah, yeah. It's getting worse, not better. So okay. chances are there are recruiters, potentially recruiters that are listening, who are going, who have gone through some litigation in some sort as a result of their recruiting practices. Right. If, if you are listening to this podcast right now, I would very much like to hear from you. Perhaps your experience can help uh, the novice recruiter or even the experienced recruiter avoid the situation that you have gone through. So, what I'd like to know, too, is explain why you're not willing to talk about it. Because, for example, I know... Yes, right oh, hold on. Yes, you can be anonymous if you, uh, like, if you like. That's really important. I'd love to know because, I mean, I know for a fact it's just up to April uh, in New Jersey, the attorney general went after eight recruiters alone. Okay, that, but that was that, that was that, that was they were helping people across the border. In, no, no, that, that wasn't. They, no, that's not New Jersey. That one's a totally different. In New Jersey, it was just straight employment. Okay, there were just employment EOC issues. The ones across the border has nothing to do with New Jersey. That's uh, Idaho, Oregon, and uh, oh, Minnesota, or Michigan. I can't remember what state that one. In the middle one it was a mm-hmm. cent- nor- uh, central state. I don't know. It was bad. And joke. that was the RICO Act. Okay, that yeah. really has nothing to do so much with recruiting as much as just illegal acts. Okay. Okay. But in regards to EEOC, um, New Jersey had eight, and uh, up up to April they had eight alone that I heard of. Okay. Between November and April, he went after eight. He said, I'm cleaning up the industry in New Jersey, the recruiting industry. And, by the way, in New Jersey, you have to be regulated and registered. It's a regulated state for this industry. Really? Yeah. There's 13 states. Now, is it that, is it that it's just so bad in New Jersey? Or are they no. Just, they're just, no, they uh, just never remove regulation. We used to be regulated across the board. When was the last time recruiting was regulated? That was pre-Reagan, right? Across the board, that was about Reagan, pre-Reagan. Okay. And that was nationwide. Okay. As of today, now there's about 26 to 28 or even more that regulate, you know, the staffing industry. Okay. I'm not yeah. sure about the staffing because I'm not a staffing, you know, recruiter, so that doesn't really concern me as much. But there's 13 states to date that rec- that regulate just search, employment searching, the meaning us, the TPR, third-party recruiter who just does headhunting, no staffing. Okay. 
And if you do contract, now you're going to head into that law. Now, why do you want to care? Just because you're not in New Jersey, okay, and you're in California, and you say, well, I don't have to worry about being regulated because I'm in California. Well, don't do work in New Jersey. Or be careful about doing work in New Jersey. Because if you go into New Jersey, that's a regulated state, and you do work, and the company doesn't pay you, and you're not licensed there, you may not get paid. Wow. Okay, and that's something that people don't realize. The, the states, many of the states that do license or regulate that, this industry, mm-hmm. they want you to be licensed in that state to do to do practice any to practice any work I am recruiting in that state. So what if I'm in Florida and I, and I have a New Jersey client? Well, I hope you like your client. Your client likes you. <laughs> on I mean, that, seriously. On that note. On that note, for <laughs> like a Baptist preacher. And in conclusion, again, <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap it up right here. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for the Recruiters Lounge, especially for the He Says, She Said comments, feel free to drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud, that's G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at jimstroud.com. And also, to sort of backtrack a little bit, if you are a recruiter uh, or at least work in the employment arena and you have been uh, sued or involved in litigation around the recruitment practice, please, 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 please give me an email and uh, talk to me about it. We'll very much like to hear your story uh, for the benefit of other recruiters who uh, may be able to avoid the situation that you are in. And, of course, you can remain as anonymous as you want to be. Uh, so until next time, this is Jim Stroud. Thanks, Jim, for having me, Miss Karen. <laughs> and that has been this episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!